no one cares if like you're tall or if you're short or if you're or if you're plus size or if you're not or if you have um if you're well <laughs> sorry were you about to say well endowed <laughs> if you're well if you're if you're well yeah. endowed or not sorry got that big dick exactly. energy no one care no one cares how juicy your dick is in voice acting. <laughs> <laughs> Hello everybody, I'm Pax and this is Brotakus, the show where a bunch of hot nerds who love anime do a deep dive on what is and isn't worth watching. We believe that you do not need a major in anime studies to enjoy this wild, beautiful, strange, sexy art form and we are lucky to have you on this journey with us. Our guest today, we are finally doing the long-awaited, long-requested, we're so excited, voice actor roundtable, and for that, we are bringing on two guests that we could not be more excited to have. Joining us in the studio today, we have Kai Jordan, who you could find at Kirikai Dubs on Twitter and Instagram. Kai Jordan is a voice actor, video essay, a self-titled professional nerd. I see you got the ENTJ thing there on Twitter. I am all about the Myers-Briggs. Also joining us is Elizabeth Ryan. You can find Elizabeth Ryan at ElizabethRyanVO.com with all of her demo reels, current projects, amazing lists of past projects. Uh, Elizabeth, Kai, how are we doing today on this beautiful Father's Day? How does this find us today? Good, a little sweaty. It's very hot in LA as always, but you know, we're making it work. Yeah, heat, Absolutely. Yeah, heat waves making that punch, not pull, not pulling set punches out. That's yeah. that's why I, that's why I'd be wearing a tank top in this closet. But then again, it's because I have the hottest room in the house, and AC doesn't always work. And... Oh no! <laughs> I I absolutely I'm so glad that you bring that up, Kai, because I think starting off today, because this episode is all going to be about uh, the voice acting industry, how to get into it, the actual reality that you face into it, the highs, the lows. Um, but something that is some of the realest shit that I've ever seen is the fact that. Uh, you are recording inside a closet with sound foam, a gorgeous microphone in front of you. And, and Liz, where are you at today? Uh, I am in a closet that has sound blankets. Yeah, PVC pipe boot for the win. Yes, that is how <laughs> you know that we have real ones on the podcast today. So um, I guess just getting started talking about these things with you. Um, starting off, I think I would like to hear... And and Kai, if you could start us off, what is a what's an average day like for you as a voice actor? You got your own home studio, you got your day to day commitments, but but what do you find that that looks like for you? I'd say that uh, as I've started, like I don't know what it's like post COVID or pre COVID, just because I started during COVID. But uh, as mm. right now, the way it usually goes is that I like during the working weeks, I'll like get maybe like depending on what the week is, I'll get like an email about an audition, uh, send a deadline or whatever, and then. I uh I record it later in the evening because that's when I know uh, uh like six p.m. like PST so because I know that's when right. um that's when the folks are usually asleep or in their own rooms and they can't make any noise or whatever and then I could just do my own thing from that point onward and then uh sometimes I go over the auditions multiple times just to see if it works right or whatever and then I send it in and then I just forget about it and then uh mm. sometimes like sometimes I hear back uh sometimes I don't and I just sort of shrug and say. Eh, we'll just do the next one and see how that works. But then if I do book it, I'm like, oh, all right, guess I get to take that day off and go play. So there's that. Nice, nice. And and uh, Liz, any of that resonating for you? Yeah, um, I am still have a day job, the survival job, as I now like to call it. Um, so that's in the mornings, and when I have downtime, I'll look through Twitter. 
Um, I do have one pay-to-play site, Voices123. That's a whole different story and is something you'll hear uh, different remarks from different people depending upon who you ask. Um, But I'll look through those, find casting calls, uh, save them, and then in the evening time when everybody is done making noise around my apartment complex, I will finally jump into the booth, knock some auditions out, and it's totally just send and forget it. The minute you hit send, it is out of your hands. It is in the universe. Nothing more you can do about it. And wash, rinse, and repeat. Yeah. I hadn't re- I hadn't realized the nocturnal nature of what you're describing until now. That's really interesting. Yeah. So, um, Kai, something that you just mentioned was how, um, how you have started and, and found some good success during COVID. And just last week, we had... Um, we had on uh, Day to Dave talking about how uh, being a voice actor during COVID, he found a lot more success because previously things were sort of centralized in some of these big uh, uh, studios that you would go in for the audition for, and they were kind of servicing the same people again and again. Um, I'm curious, when you go in this era of COVID for a voice acting project, what does that that call look like? You got like a... a, a job offer or audition you get slides like can you um kind of walk us through what the process looks like of landing that job so if you do like usually how it works is that most of the time in my experience uh you would get an email that would say that would have a size attached to it and most times they'll have a nda attached to it just because you know social media exists and they don't want people breaking it we've had really bad examples of people who just leak information because they're either salty or just too immature to understand how this things work. Oh yeah, and just anyone, any listeners out there, NDA means you shut the fuck up about this. So uh, don't. Worry. <laughs> just, just, but you just, will uh, lose not only your job, but everybody else in that project will also lose their job. You exactly. don't want to be that and, person. Yeah, just 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 like sign it. Don't blab about it to anybody. Even if it's like even say like you have a a family member who wants to know about it. Like unless they don't have socials. Just don't do it. Like, yeah. just don't do not do it. Anyway, what I'm saying is, yeah, you get the email, you get your sides or whatever, you record it, you send in your best thing, and then you forget about it. And then they'll send you back, like, an email saying, like, congratulations, you booked so-and-so. Here, uh, when's your availability for this time? Or sometimes they'll say, oh, hey, you booked this thing. Uh, uh, confirm your setup or whatever. And then you just send in your uh, specs details, say they confirm your, re- your reply. You hear back from them about... Uh, the confirmed appointment time for your recording session. You go into recording session, uh, and then you just do your thing. Make sure that you have wired internet. Have uh, one of these things that I'm pulling to the side. One of these things connected to your oh. laptop or whatever. Mm. And then uh, source connect. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, when I started, I didn't have SC. I actually was using other stuff uh, just because I was. I am what you call a cheap bastard and doesn't like. I don't like to spend money. Um, Nothing wrong with so, that. Uh, but it came to a point where, like, uh, I received an audition from something where they said, like, they really want, they really need you to, like, have Source Connect, and it's been a few months, I'm like, fine, and I invested in it, and I got it, <laughs> and I st- still didn't get it, but I was like, all right, but if this thing doesn't work in four months, then I'm, I'm dumping it, and then thankfully I started booking more work with it, so I'm like, all right, I'm getting my money's worth with this. So, real quick, what is Source Connect? Source Connect uh, is a... I've heard from my audio engineers describe it as like a phone patch sort of thing, but like with your microphone. Basically, what it is, it's an app that you uh, pay $35 a month for that allows you. That basically, from what it, I'm describing, I could be totally wrong on this. Uh, an audio engineer could be totally <laughs> cringing from how I'm describing this. Basically, it connects to your mic, 
directly to the studio that you're recording with, and then they uh, hear your, con and they basically just record off of that. They still insist that, most studios that I've worked with still insist that you record audio on your end in case anything drops mm -hmm. out, which unfortunately happens every 30 minutes with every single mm. session that I've done. And <laughs> so that's, that's a thing. It has its ups and downs, but, um, and I do appreciate like having that accessibility to do that from home, but I'd much rather risk uh, paying money for gas just to drive down to Los Angeles to record a studio thing than just uh, have my thing constantly drop out every 30 minutes just because uh, Source Connect just decides, I don't want to work today. Yeah. I don't want to do it. <laughs> no, just, just go away. Interesting. And, and Liz, have you experienced this uh, too? Thankfully, I haven't had to bite the bullet and buy full Source Connect. They have something called Source Connect Now, which is free. Um, that's the most that I've ever had to use for anything. Uh, because, yeah, it's uh, Spectrum is our only internet service for most of L.A. <gasps> yeah, it goes out all the time. Really? It's literally, you can talk to any voice actor out here and they're like, yeah, Spectrum is the bane of my existence. I, I'm glad we can commiserate even though we're on opposite sides yep. of the country because Spectrum is what mm -hmm. I have out here ever since I, I, I moved here. And um, it's the the worst internet I've had in my yeah. life. <laughs> and I don't understand how I, it can it can possibly continue to uh, uh, expand but when you are on with Source Connect, which is maybe solving some of these issues, maybe <laughs> not. So do you have a, a director on the line with you live and the audio is coming like to them and they're asking you for different takes, like, like how it would be if you were in yeah, the studio? Yeah, that's, that's how it's been for the most part. Like, like we go into a session, sometimes we go into a Skype call or maybe this, is, this hasn't happened yet. Maybe like, or we'll go into Zoom or whatever so we can see the actual footage and stuff. Or sometimes we'll have the script on hand through our iPad. We'll do the usual thing where, like, we give them, like, an ABC take, or if it's an anime, we try to dub over it as best we can, unless the connection fumbles, and then we can't see what the footage looks like, and it's like, oh, God, this looks like a jungle mess. So, I, I think that, talking from the day today, I think now is the time that we <laughs> stretch backwards in time. During the very first days of the struggling voice oh, actor, um, I kind of want to ask for both of you, and, and, and Liz, maybe I'll throw this at you first, what the, the moment was that you knew, like, I want to become a voice actor. I want to give this a try. Third grade, uh, coming home, I used to race up my extremely long driveway to get in front of my TV in time for Sailor Moon, because it was back when Toonami was still on during the day. And uh, yeah, it was. I would usually catch like the last five minutes of Dragon Ball Z, and then it was on a Sailor Moon. And I was mm. just always like, I want to be in that. That is so freaking cool. Uh, and then I, I took a very, very long detour after doing all sorts of music and acting stuff in high school. And this kind of bleeds into something else we'll probably talk about later. But I went to a convention in Syracuse, New York, and Shermie Lay was there. She is the light of my freaking life. I was at one of her panels and she was just talking about how she was having this really, really crappy day and then how just one thing changed it all around and it just became this like really big magical thing where just everything was going right for her all of a sudden and the way she lights up a room, the way she talks, just the air about her, I was like, mm. what am I doing I don't want to be a teacher. I want to be a voice actor. So after that convention, I changed my major, changed schools, came to Fredonia, and uh, took off from there. I want to dive a little deep into that before we go to Kai. What was it that you found so enthralling about this person? Like, what was it that she represented that that spoke to you in that Hope. deep way? Like, 
I I was mm. feeling stuck. I originally went to school for adolescent education and I was seeing all these things. It's like, I don't, I don't know if I want to do that. Like this acting is always something that I've wanted to do, but in the end of high school, it's kind of drilled into me like, maybe that's not obtainable for you, which is something, a surprising mm. amount of voice actors here and even regular actors. And I had just kind of given up on it and she just re-sparked everything. And I was like, no, this is dumb. This is not what I need to be doing. I need to be a voice actor. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, Kai, I don't know if any of that is relatable, but can we get the Kai Jordan origin story now? So I think uh, it's it's kind of weird. I uh, I had a fascination with the world of VO ever since I learned that uh, SpongeBob was played by a man named Tom Kenny. Then eventually, like I learned, like other people that were in the business, like uh, like I like I watched this Buzz Lightyear cartoon a while back, and I learned that like Patrick Warburton did voices for other stuff, and I'm like, wait, that's that's the same dude. And then um, later on in my life, uh, I started to do like YouTube videos and stuff, like these really terrible stop motion videos that are not on the internet anymore. In fact, the YouTube channel's just gone. <laughs> it's not there anymore. You'll find it. Uh, but um, I did like voice acting stuff with uh, with my friends, uh, just for the fun of it, just to do these like little video game videos or whatever. I won't say the names of it, or whatever, just because I don't want to embarrass them either. But um. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but those those are those are something I did, and then like we just had fun just making little things, so, like goofing around with like my terrible microphone. Like my like here's my mic evolution. I started with a web a webcam mic that yep. uh, that popped all the time. Then I started mm. with uh, mm. then I evolved to a uh, a a boogie mic or guitar hero mic, uh, which you know the soul those logic kick mics you plug into your your computer and use that, and that, pop, and that popped constantly because I didn't have a pop filter. Mm-hmm. So, uh, there's that. And then, uh, but yeah, no. But the moment I actually started to realize, like, because originally when I was in school, I was like, I want to be a game developer. I want to make video games because I like video games and stuff. And then I realized how tedious and annoying it was. And I'm like, I don't want to do that anymore. And uh, then I tried a drama class out for the first time because I didn't, longest time I kind of didn't want to be an actor in that regard because I'm like, I don't, I, I don't want to yeah. wear makeup. I don't want things on my face. I don't want to deal with that. I've since gone over that. I've since matured. And I've uh, since got evolved from that. But uh, I took I I got into a drama class and I played like Sunny, what's his face on uh, Greece or whatever in my high school. And I'm like I got like and it was just fun to do because like I just had this revelation like this is the same this is like just as fun as it is like on stage as it is like behind a microphone like I could do the same thing on a microphone. And, um, and I'd be more comfortable with that. Because, like, I do mm. like doing stuff on camera and all that. It's just, I don't like the restraint or anything. I don't like the... The blocking yeah. can be so annoying to do sometimes, but I do... I still do it just because I enjoy the experience, you know? Once you finally get it down. But um, it's just more comfortable behind the mic because you have the script right in front of you. Sometimes you don't have time to memorize it, which is fine. Uh, often I kind of like the challenge of cold reading. But it was... I didn't actually start actively pursuing mm. it until I was, like... Like out of high school or whatever, when I started going to uh, my community colleges, acting fundamental classes, and then I started taking workshops uh, from uh, different studios and all that. Some uh, voice actors, especially like if anyone who's a voice actor, definitely recommend uh, taking a video class from Richard Horvitz. Like he will help you get out of your, uh, he will help you get out of your comfort zone a lot. I'm on the wait list. I'm yeah. like someday. It's, yeah, it's good stuff. But yeah, like <laughs> so. 
but it took me a while to actually book work for a while, just because um, it was hard to, because I didn't have an agency at the time, and I was like, okay, I want to audition, but how do I do the audition? How do I get the audition? Like, people say get an agent, so I submitted constantly. I uh, I uh, made my own demo, uh, which <laughs> a lot of actors tell you you're not supposed to do that, yeah. but I did it anyway because. I had years of video editing experience learning how to audio mix, and I'm like, I, I feel like I'm competent enough to at least understand what sounds like a potato and what sounds like an actual produced thing, and I can make it sound better. And thankfully, mm. one agency responded. I don't want to say the name of the agency just because, um, you know, reasons. But uh, they reached out, and then they started sending me. They started sending me stuff. Uh, still wasn't really booking anything. Um, and then. Uh, then, uh, one fateful day, I met uh, Devin Mack. They, uh, gave me some pro advice and stuff like that. And, uh, they presented me with a few opportunities. They sent me an email for an audition or whatever, and, uh, I recorded that. And then I told a voice actor named Bill Butts about it. And then, once I had that role, I started getting more opportunities because they introduced me to more people. Yeah, so, the rest is history. I hope that, I hope that didn't eat too much time. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> no, it was great stuff. No. Man, we got all the time in the world. Thank you for being so generous with your time. Um, uh, Liz, did you have a similar moment where, you re- where, where things started picking up, where you realized that this could move from a dream into something more <laughs> tangible? Yes, kind of. Little, little caveats. So, I, you know this, not that everybody watching this will, but I'm originally from New York. Literally went and lived for part of my life, um, like an hour away from where the Buffalo Bills play. And... Um, I used to go onto the like original voice acting club boards, which is created and run by Kira Buckland. Bless her soul. She's such a sweetheart. Um, yes. Yeah. And I, <laughs> the first thing I ever booked was a um, Fantastic Four fan like video game dub where they the people doing this yeah they like played out a scene and then they added all these voices in so that's the first thing i ever did and i was like this is really fun i felt like an idiot performing some of those lines but man did they sound really good i was like oh this is really fun i got i gotta keep doing this so since it was pre-covid um i knew i needed to come out to la because that's where the majority of the classes were. Online classes weren't a thing back in 2018 when I first moved out here. So then I started taking classes and I was I was a good girl. I took all the commercial classes first. I did that for about a year before I made that demo professionally through the studio I'd become really good friends with. And then I started really truly auditioning and Commercial auditioning is really hard. Like yeah. animation is hard too in a totally different way, but commercial is a beast. For so why? I didn't find much why? Yeah. Because it's like really, really big budget stuff. So mm-hmm. animation is a ton of competition. Commercial is ginormous. Like there's so many people that you're competing against in especially on pay to play kind of sites. It's you are like the smallest fish in the pond. It's like definitely get an agent because the competition is still steep, but I feel it's you're a little bit more likely yeah. to actually book something. 
And then um, after I did all that, I was like, okay, let's get to the animation stuff. I'm sick of doing commercial. And so I got back Mm. into voice acting club boards. I got back into casting call club. Um, I did a lot of unpaid stuff, which is totally fine. Please, if you want to be a voice actor, it's okay to do non-paid stuff to build up a resume. I don't care what anybody else tells you. Um, And so I eventually booked more and more and more stuff that was all like fan stuff. I got to meet a lot of great people and make friendships with them. And then this was purely by chance. um, There was a visual novel that I auditioned for called Our Life. And I love it. I thought the concept was great. It was something that I really wanted to be a part of. I was super duper lucky and was able to book it. And so with that came a couple of connections with the other people that were in the visual novel as well. And then the other really random thing, and I can only talk so much about it because NDAs, Um, but I submitted my demo to a casting call off of Facebook. And it's for a Japanese game that they're localizing, a Japanese mobile game. And uh, I was selected. It took a couple of months. I think altogether it was like four months between when I submitted to when I was told I was actually booking it. And I got to go in a studio here in Burbank, meet all of those people. And then I've been in touch with them and I get a couple of auditions. So that's how you get the ball rolling. That's really awesome. Um, Kai, something I was hoping you could give some insight in is, uh, Liz, you just mentioned pay-for-play sites. Mm-hmm. Kai, is that something that's familiar to you? Do you know what, do you know what Liz is talking about? Uh, yeah, I do. And um, with all due respect, I just don't even touch those. Uh, really, just because, like, like, I usually just don't really trust it because most of the stuff they get is not the best. And um, usually, like... Uh, could you hit me with like what what kind of the concept behind it is? Like what, when we say, I, I probably get what you mean when you say pay for play, but like what is the what's the idea of these sites? Basically, you pay. Basically, you pay. Uh, it's it's a thing where like it's a serv- It's like a casting um, job board or whatever that you basically pay a certain subscription for. Where uh, like the, you you pay a certain amount of money a month mm. to have the opportunity to maybe like up so in order to get like premium access to actually upload your reels and your headshots or whatever, and then you. Submit your auditions, and then same process. That it's it's the same thing that you would do if you had an agent, but you're just paying more money to do it. And I don't bother with that just because I don't. I'm not real because like I also work a day job of my own. I'm self-employed in that regard. I do other things to uh, have the upkeep stuff that I won't go into detail just because I don't want people stalking me. But um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's uh it's just not really the best like uh thing to do budget wise for me personally in my opinion. And uh, yeah, there's that whole thing. It's like yeah, you get the occasional thing here and there, and you have practice, but you could still you could still do that like by like practicing cold read or whatever, and still like learning to uh, cold submit when you can. You know? mm. that's, that's 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 just my opinion. Yeah, and then something we were talking about pre-show is kind of how the industry um uh, feeds on itself giving the same people opportunities and the idea of having to uh pay to get your work out there that just seems like it would feed even more into like depriving like disadvantaged people or anyone who doesn't have enough money of of opportunities it's i mean there's uh there's a money cost 
to get to certain places, like to take classes costs money. There are other things you can do to practice and start developing your craft. But like, I think making connections is probably one of the biggest things you get out of classes. And without those connections, sometimes it can be really hard in a very long grind to move up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's true. Like connections will get you far. Like uh, literally, mo- like all every single audition that I booked, every single like animation job that I've gotten has because uh, it was always because I was connected to someone or a director directly reached out to me or something else like that. It, it was it was always because of that, and then I took initiative to try and respond. And even if I don't get the audition, they at least have my audio in their databanks and they at least have me on their radar so that's why like here's another bit of advice for anyone who uh, gets into this business like don't let like don't let like not getting an audition discourage you because it's like you get the audition in the first place that's still progress that's still a really good thing like and the fact that you're actually i always treat my auditions like it's the first and last time i'm going to play the character and um i usually just try to like uh, think of the most unique ways i can read it just to make it stand out and then once I send out, I'm done with it until I get the chance to do an encore, which is the actual job. So there's that whole thing. Two, uh, like, money shouldn't be the thing that you're most focused on doing this, really. You should be doing doing this because you want to, like, perform and you want to have an actual fun time doing this kind of thing, you know? That's that's my stance with that. Like, the only time I ever worry about money... Exactly. The only time I ever worry about money is uh, with my other stuff. Like, voice acting is the last thing I worry about financial-wise. I'm like, no, I'm... Like, no matter what, I'm going to keep finding a way to do this. Like, that's the thing. I make money... I, I, I try to make money so I can keep doing the job that I love, which is this. So... So I'm, I'm so glad you're bringing this up, but I, I think that that's a brilliant point, Kai, and I, I want to kind of hone in on the, 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 the dollar cost of this, I think is good to mention because at a certain point you do need some type of equipment, but obviously the, the kind of core balance thing comes in, like how we could balance where we can afford to be smart and where we can afford to make sense. <laughs> Cause like, fuck it, behind the scenes. Um, this, yep. you know, ring light costs, costs money. Widescreen monitor costs money. PC, the external hard drive that's 10 terabytes recording yeah. setup. This is all, you know, this is, this is cash. And so how, Liz, can you speak a little bit on like how you, how you build up, like, where you can make cuts to be affordable, but, like, how do you get yourself to where you can start competing professionally, or is this something where you scale up, starting with, you know, less things? What do you think? Like, this is weird. There's my animation coach, who I did my demo with. She's used a blue snowball literally up until the pandemic started, because something like that, that was enough when you auditioned Mm. for studios To get the job because they weren't focusing so much on your actual audio quality pre-pandemic because you could go into the studio and do it. So like it used to be like my first setup here, I just put in a floating shelf. I had a USB mic plugged into my MacBook and that that was it. I put like a pillow behind it. So the sound Mm -hmm. sounded a little bit better. Um, In that, I think... Altogether, not not including the MacBook because I bought that for other things. But the USB mic at the time was only like $100, which I know to some people can seem like a lot. I got that as a Christmas present personally. Um, and then from there, I 
started adding more stuff. Like I eventually put up shower rods and hung some of my grandmother's uh, quilts that she had made me over the years. And that helped with the sound dampening, but that didn't cost any money. Again, those were all Mm. gifts. And it wasn't until um, the pandemic started that I had to switch from a USB mic to a mic that I had bought for $90 while I was still in college. It was an MXL 990. And that meant I had to get an interface. Mm. So I started off with a Scarlet Solo, which is uh, somewhere in the ballpark of like $100. So now I'm probably at about $300-ish altogether. And then as the pandemic progressed... And Mm. I started getting more into the indie scene, which has to all be recorded from home anyways. And they, they are the ones that will always care about what your sound is like when you're recording by yourself because you don't go into a studio for it. So I eventually bought an AT2020 and I had to buy an actual mic stand. And I was still recording off of my laptop. That So that brings us to about like... 500 ish dollars somewhere in there and then um during this year around mother's day i finally had enough money from all the jobs that i had done i got (laughs) a whole new setup i got a mac mini i had to get a new um monitor i got a new microphone i got a really nice interface i have an apollo twin I treated myself a little bit. Um, <laughs> I had to get a ring light. I got myself a metal pop filter. <laughs> so that that was a lot all at once. Um, all of that was close to two grand. And that's not where yeah. you need to be whatsoever. I still know people who are running an AT2020 mm-hmm. with a Scarlet Solo off a laptop. Yeah. And they book all the time. So in, in reality, like the baseline if you want to get into like indie stuff you're probably looking at about three hundred dollars but again it's it's not a race you can probably still start with your usb mic um some people are getting pickier about it but like you'll you'll get there it's okay um so yeah but probably three hundred dollars in a nice little little space closet closets with your clothes fantastic like don't need anything more if I saw like my uh, a mic that I I've been eyeing on on sale, I'm like, ah, fuck it. And then I just like I just purchase <laughs> it, and then I just get it. I'm like, all right, I got it. It's mine now. Like, cause that's what I did when I got this. Cause okay, so my evolution has been I started with a webcam mic that was literally just like a little dingy thing. It sounded pretty alright. Then I went to a Guitar Hero slash Boogie mic that was like a Logitech microphone that you plug into your computer. And uh, it popped all the time, but it got the job done for uh, my really terrible internet projects. Uh, then I went to this other... Then I upgraded to a, a less shitty microphone that was like, you know, the typical singer microphone whatever. But the problem is it sounded super compressed and dog shite And <laughs> uh, then uh, moved on to... Uh, let's see here. Then I think I... After that, I upgraded to the Samson CO1U, which... Uh, which, which was, I used that one for a while for a lot of my internet projects, and it worked for the most part. The only problem is I, I was very stupid, uh, stupid enough to think that, oh, wait, oh, wait, hold though, this, this, I just need to set this into a stereo to make it sound good, 
and then oh, it's no. like, oh hey, oh, no. hey, you can you can hear half. It's like you can hear like the left side of my ear. I'm like, why is that? Why is it like that? And then I tried to fix it in post, and that made it worse because you could barely hear me talking. And then I'm like, oh, you have to set it to mono because you have one mouth, and you know. <laughs> so yeah, there's that. So that, and then eventually, after years of waiting, I finally upgraded to XLR. When the pandemic hit, I got an AT2020 and I had a Scarlet. And then when the pandemic was getting worse, I decided, all right, mm. I'll 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 take uh, Eddie Correa Jr.'s advice and get an SSL2 just because it sounds better. Um, then I had that with an AT2020. And then uh, mm-hmm. just a few months ago, I, sa- I was making more money from my day job. And then I saw that the Studio Project C1 was, they only had one in stock. And I had enough money in my savings for it. And I was just like, fuck it. So I just got it, yep. and this is the one I use now. It, granted, it's a bit more sensitive compared to the AT2020, but it sounds really good from what I've used so far. I love seeing the commiseration and back and forth of your responses, like, uh, you know, empathizing with each other's stories. It's, it's good to know that there's that yeah. shared grind. And something that Kai just mentioned was post-production, was post-post-post-production, which is maybe the most under... Uh, un- underappreciated and uh, uh, least understood part of the voice actor's job because not every single job requires you to edit, mix, do whatever with your own stuff, but some does. So um, I, I'm wondering, uh, Liz, if you had to give a reality check for people out there, what are the skills that they need to learn for you know post-production to, to start grappling with it? Uh, well, first off, it's it's a dream when audition. Well, for some people, when uh, companies tell you we want your audio completely raw, you're like, yes. Um, so you don't have to do anything except you know maybe take out those yeah, like giant yeah. chunks of silence. Um, the number one thing you're going to be doing is cutting a lot of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and then this is a debate that's been going on for a really long time. And I'll probably say it five more times before we're done. The voice acting club boards in their discord, Kira makes a ton of articles. She covers all sorts of wonderful stuff. And, Mm -hmm. um, most of it is going to be learning how to EQ to take out certain frequencies that are just naturally abundant in your space that make your audio not sound quite so good. Um, and then, one of the things I highly suggest people invest mm-hmm. in is called XR or RX Elements because it has this amazing thing called a clicker because some people are just naturally clicky. You get all these mouth sounds and they do not sound good in playback. Like a lot of people get very agitated with those sounds. So there's uh, that program to help you with that. And then after EQing... Um, probably noise reduction, unless, you know, you have six grand to throw down on a professional studio bricks that Mm. doesn't need that kind of stuff. Um, and I feel like there's one thing I'm missing. Well, I used to edit my files all the time when I would do auditions. And now after, uh, after learning how much of a pain in the ass it is for audio engineers to sort through all that stuff, I learned how, why you shouldn't do that. Compressing audio is a bad idea. Don't do that. Yes. No. Uh, <laughs> Please don't. Um, and EQ, EQ it's like, and especially mm. with, because um, what I would do before is that I would EQ and compress my lines for projects that I would do, whatever. But I didn't understand, like apparently that just it makes it hard for engineers to like sort out whatever. Because then people, because voice actors, most voice actors think I have a great setup and all, it's all good. But then engineers think, no, you don't. And then they <laughs> sort through all this stuff and like. You've just made it ten. You just made my t- job a hundred times harder mm. to look through all this stuff. So, 
No, I just, what it is is like, what you have to do is just record it, do your thing or whatever. If there's noise in it, just don't touch it. Just because, like, I found that, like, whenever I use noise removal, it's it makes me sound like I'm underwater if I'm not careful. So I'm just gonna, like, I'm not touching this. I'll let you guys handle that. And if there's a problem, I'll just turn up my gain. Like, the most, the most engineer, engineers just want you to, like, maybe adjust your gain and then maybe cut out the dead space, like, through, like, just cutting and snipping it out. Otherwise, uh, just don't touch it. Just, just leave it alone, and they'll uh, they'll take care of the editing on their mm. end. Like they can, like you can, like I I don't remember who said this, but like people can like, like a voice actor can like take a sh- literally just take a shit on their mic, and then uh and then engineer can just turn that into gold. So yep, that. they're wizards. Mm. Yeah, and and I think and I think I like I like the both of the. The wisdom and advice that, that that both of you are giving, because I think different projects require you know different things. Like for some of these free projects, mm-hmm. I think what you were hitting on, Liz, is like sometimes they don't have someone who really knows about the audio, and so you got to mm-hmm. help them out a little bit there. But then with some of these other projects, it's like less is more, and so there is no one size fits all thing. But I'm glad that we got kind of two two perspectives on on what might be required. Um, then the next thing I want to hit on, and it seems like I. I at the end of the day, if you want to learn how to get into voice acting, different resources to go to, there are so many other people asking these questions that there are, you know, a dozen amazing guides on Reddit, on YouTube. I'm sure Skillshare's got a great course. And so uh, Google is your friend and you can find these things. And yet I think that perpetually there are these kind of under-answered um, aspects of this that really separate the uh, very successful voice actors from the uh, uh, people who, who are kind of stuck, constantly trying to grind, constantly trying to get that break. And in talking with um, with Data Dave the other day, something that we really hit on is that, and it, it totally blew the door open for me, is that so many people are focused on the voice aspect yeah. of it and not enough people are focused on the yes. actor yeah. aspect of it. Yes, and a thousand percent. Yeah. So so the the comparison that we wound up figuring out is that for for Dave his biggest journey was actually getting the acting part down because um Liz you you went to a, a you know the same theater school that I did and so I think that a a constant refrain when you're learning to play a villain uh, is that the villain's not a villain to themselves with very rare exceptions and you can tell time after time when somebody has disdain for their own character or when somebody is not working on those inner layers and really taking the time to understand and justify and and even if it's through a thousand different ineffable hard to touch um, reasons it just doesn't come through as believable in their voice and Mm -hmm. I think that some voice actors kind of treat it the same where it's uh it's like they'll brute force it where I'll try this take a thousand different ways just maybe in thinking like, oh, well, you know, as long as I hit the mouth flaps on this, I'm fine. As long as I, you know, get all the words in order, it's going to be okay. And I'll just try it in every different way yeah. without developing some of the underlying like acting skills that are important to get into that. And so, Kai, you kind of just mentioned earlier how really giving yourself permission to enjoy and, and love and, and become an actor was so big for you. What are some of these little... um steps that you took that helped you grow as an actor in the voice space yeah. rather than just, you know, yeah. what kind of wacky things can I make my voice do? You know, like what, what, yeah. what were some of those things for yeah. you? Uh, you know, it's like, it's weird. Cause like, it's funny how, like when we start out as kids, we just don't give a fuck about like what people think. We just do whatever we want. And then, uh, mm-hmm. but as we mature, we're just like, Hey, don't do that. People will think you're yeah. crazy. 
hey, don't do that. And then all of a sudden, like, you start to develop this, like, self-conscious and this ego, and you start to, like, Mm -hmm. think, like, oh, no, this is, like, subconsciously you think, oh, this is beneath me, or I don't want to do that, I look dumb. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then, like, you just sort of, but, like, over time, I started to feel that, especially, like, um, you know, just, like, repressing part of myself and all that stuff, like, you know, just... Uh, but over time, uh, through, uh, taking classes, uh, through acting fundamental, like, I would still feel somewhat self-conscious about it just because I wouldn't know, like, how I would look on camera or how I would, um, sound or whatever. Or, I was like, well, I'd always constantly, like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? It wasn't until, like, I started taking classes from, uh, people like, uh, like over in Calvinson and Calvinson, where an animation classes taught by, uh, Stephen Staley or, uh, um, like uh, another actor I mentioned before, Richard Horvitz, uh, who just helped me break out of my comfort zone and just helped me recognize, enter like my second reality. And oh yeah, one thing I should mention here: um, mm. I am technically autistic. I have Asperger's syndrome, and one thing I tend to do uh, to help focus my thoughts is that I'll talk to myself constantly. Richard Horvitz finally gave me a word for that. That is essentially me entering my second reality. Where like I am rehearsing conversations that I have with people, or just get, I'm just I get into character mm. without knowing it, and I get so caught up in my own world that I just sometimes get <laughs> I just sometimes forget my surroundings. Where uh, a third person like my dad will say like, "Hey, uh, we can hear you saying that. Uh, are you alright? Is, uh, is something going on or whatever?" Or it's just like, "Hey, uh, we can hear you doing that." I was only saying you're kind of shouting too loud. Your sister's sleeping next door. You may want to keep it down. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. And then I'll just be, and I'll just go about my own way. So, yeah, over time, I just stopped giving a fuck about um, how I looked or whatever, or just, like, how I sounded or whatever. And if it just sounded bad, I just, if I made a decision, I would just commit to it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and Liz, I know for a fact, because um, I kind of just mentioned, you know, <laughs> fostering the feeling of not giving a fuck kind of moving away from the the, the worry about how you look or you know how, how you stand or these ineffable elements of you i know for sure that this is something that we share in terms of like why voice acting yep. becomes mm-hmm. attractive because of the sheer like hatred and pressure that you feel in a theatrical and film environment but like i kind of want to can, can you give us your journey in terms of like allowing yourself permission to just be an actor and be the wonderful, talented, amazing, uh, 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 creative that you are. Like, what, what, what has that journey been like for you? What were some of those struggles? Who, um, so it, it's uh, coming from a theater background. It's this: you want to get it perfect every time. No two performances are ever going to be exactly the same. But gosh darn it, you really want it to be, and it's so easy to get in your head, be it in a theater production or in a voiceover audition. And it's it's rough. One of the biggest obstacles I've definitely had to overcome is getting out of my own head and being okay with something not sounding perfect. And I have this little board right up above my camera and mm-hmm. it says, you are enough, so have fun. And that comes from Kirsten Day, who I've taken a lot of classes with and who I did my animation demo with. And that's something she really tries to drive into everybody that she works with. And giving yourself permission to not care what you look like while you're performing is so freeing. And it just allows you to get into that character, to be that character and naturally your performance just becomes so much better and then like 
Once you get that part down, you can add an accent if the character calls for it and, you know, breaking, breaking stuff down. Like you can have all the script analysis training. You can have all the acting training. But if you get inside your own head, it's going to stop you from giving the best performance possible. And it's, it's just so freeing once you can get past that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad that um, both of you are hitting on the, uh, the, the theatrical background that has so many more demands for appearance and perfection and specific things. And the fact that both of you have independently used the word freeing for voice acting is really wonderful because um, I guess if, if I had to just ask broadly, why is voice acting fun? Why is it good? You know, just getting real simple and primordial with it, man. Like, uh, Kai, do you want to speak on, like, why why it is just fun? The thing that, that, that pulls you to, you know, create your own studio space. And even if, like, not all of the money is coming in at once, what drives you to keep doing it? Well, speaking as someone who is also an animation nut, and, like, I like to learn more about, more about, about cartoons and Japanese anime and such, or even comic books, for that matter, it's the same advantage that animated film has over live action. There are things that you can do in the animated world that you can never do on camera. Like, mm-hmm. um, like yeah. a movie like Spider-Verse can, like, cannot be done in live action. Like, it's like, I don't care how good Tom Holland is, and I, I love those movies so much, but like, that kind of style would, mm. would not mesh well. But, any, but the point is, but like, same thing with acting or whatever, voice acting or whatever, like, with on-camera stuff, the whole world, it's like, it's this, it's this thing where, like, people constantly, like, judge you for your appearance or constantly, like, uh, nitpick about how you perform or whatever based on, like, your inflections and stuff like that. But with this, it's much more focused towards, like, how you sound and how you convey. It's like, no one, like, like, no one, no one cares if, like, you're tall or if you're short or if you're, or if you're plus size or if you're not or if you have, um, if you're well <laughs> Sorry. Were you about to say well endowed? <laughs> if you're well, if you're, if you're well yeah. endowed or not. Sorry. Got that big dick so, energy. No one cares. No one cares how juicy your dick is in voice acting. <laughs> Admittedly, um, with the advent of social media, there is a bit of a negative to it too, especially just because um, uh, we do have people in the industry that get treated like terrible shit for no good reason, like um. I really feel bad for, like, a lot of the actors who are POC or anyone who is of the LGBT community and anyone who is, who who identifies with she, her uh, pronouns, just because, um, a lot of them have to deal with, uh, a lot of stupid bullshit. Like, um, I know some voice actors who, uh, I I hold that they don't sound black enough to play a character, or I hear, I see, like, stories of, like, actors going out of the way to bag on a voice actor just because they speak about, speak out about, um, an actor Mm. who is problematic and a bunch of his rabid fans uh go after them if you don't want to include that part i understand just because i don't i know that that i could go into such a tangent about that but and then and then of course there's other things where like i'll see like an actor an actress like i'll see actors like i'll see people make Mm. forums and stuff like weird weird like and then put it out in public like weird fetishy playlists of a voice actor's like insecurities like their weight or something it's sort of odd and like it's like dude i get that you have your own kinks but you don't don't put that in a public platform where people are going to see that because the person is going to see that and it's it just leaves a bad flavor if if you don't want to include this part and i understand i just i get in these kind of tangents when i see these kind of stories so 
<laughs> Man, you can. I mean, I mean, I, I don't want to reduce this to just drama, but I think a lot of people appreciate talking about some of the negative side because how are you going to really, you know, I would hate for people to be ambushed getting into this, yeah. thinking that oh, this is deprived of all of the toxic, the the toxicity that you'd see in every other artistic field. If any, it can be worse in some aspects. So, um, I'm really grateful that you brought that up. What we're gonna do is we're gonna ping pong back to uh, Liz. I want to hear like the the moment where you were like, oh man, voice acting is the shit, and then we're diving right back into that toxicity because I want to ask about <laughs> branding and social media because I think that's important. So, so. Oh, yeah. So Liz, yeah. if you, you can speak from that happy, um, golden, happy, warm place in your heart first. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's something just so freaking cool about getting this really big, long audition sheet that has like 10 characters on it. Um, it's a marathon. But it's all these different character archetypes. Like, you can go from the really happy, preppy schoolgirl, like, oh my gosh, school spirit all the way, to this like, ew. Why are you talking to me? Go away. Yeah. <laughs> and um this is this is more for the higher range female femme voices. Um but like being able to talk as a little boy, like all some of your really favorite people, like Timmy Turner, voiced by a girl, Jimmy Neutron, voiced by a girl, Naruto, voiced by a kick ass woman like and it's you can play so many different things you can play the hero you can play the sidekick you can play the villain a lot of voice actors i find really like to play villains um a lot of us it's kind of cathartic to to take that how you will um Mm -hmm. but it's you you get to be anybody you want and you're not Mm -hmm. limited to your size sometimes your age because like when you are auditioning for a younger kid you're going to be going up against actual younger kids that are also submitting. So like that we're starting to get more authentic, but sometimes it's just not possible. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, whoever you want, you're behind a screen. They're going to see a picture. Not you. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's beautifully inspiring. And with that, straight back into the hell world. We're going to talk about <laughs> branding. We're talking about social <laughs> media. Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Because um, something that's so relatable with, with, with acting nowadays, too, is that um, uh, whether it is vocally, screen, stage, I've had a similar experience of everything being somehow connected to somebody that you know. And you both have mentioned that. And part of this now, too, is the fact that it didn't used to be that you were an actor and you... It, 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 it used to be that you didn't have all of these social media things to uh, run yourself, and so your uh, agent was more important in that step, but now it's like you are so handicapped if you do not have your Twitter, your Instagram, your own personal website that you've created. It's really like, in addition to... L- acting and recording and doing basic audio engineering and post-production, you are also dealing now with intense marketing and, and, and trying to create, create that brand. So what are some of the, I guess, positives and negatives that you see in this shift to having to cultivate your, your personality, getting all of that out there, creating that brand? Do either of you want to speak on that? Uh, I'd say like in terms of uh, Twitter stuff, like there is a lot of, I, I, I've kind of been more active on Twitter. I don't use, um, Instagram and Facebook as much as I should. But, Same. And I also have a TikTok that I only use when I'm bored or whatever. But <laughs> I do try to, like, mm-hmm. I do try to, like, I try to, like, make it sort of, like, put out my dorky personality and just things that I'm into just to keep it active and such. Like, I have this, like, this, like, currently as, as we're recording this, I have this, like, this number, like, uh, 136 out of 700 that's, and with the sushi roll, that's, like, 
the amount of chapters of Naruto that I've read so far. Just to, to do that or whatever, just to see. Because I haven't read that series before, and I wanted to just, you know, put that out there for fans to say, like, nice. hey, I'm into this thing, and you want to talk about it. And sometimes I'll put out a thing like, hey, I'm watching this show. Here's why y'all haven't seen it. Like, Also, if any of you have not seen Odd Taxi, please change that. It's uh, Sleep yes. Hit. Please watch that. Oh, oh Best of the season. okay. So okay. good. So yeah, anyway. Uh, but yeah, also, but yeah, there's also that. And yeah, like, fans can be pretty charming to interact with sometimes. Uh, some. Though you do get some fans that are young and sometimes don't understand certain social boundaries, and, mm-hmm. and that's and that's fine. Like I, I'm, I'd be a hypocrite if I uh, mm-hmm. judge someone because I did that once when I had Skype and I didn't understand certain social boundaries that you're not you're not supposed to just add people on Skype just because you can. You're not supposed to do that. Yeah. But um, uh, thing, but but there's also the other negative um, is constantly like you can't like the way it's evolved now. It's super scary to, like, someone could dig up something that you di- said or did, like, long ago that you don't agree with anymore because you've grown up as a person, you've evolved better, and they could use that against you just because they don't like you. And yeah. it's very terrifying. Like, I think about that constantly. Like, I, 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 like, even, like, with people that I know in real life, I feel the need to constantly apologize for anything that I've did. Just, not just because of my own sake, but just because, like, I don't want to hurt them. And also just, like, I don't want... Because then it's just because if it comes back to me, then it comes back to them, and then it go, this becomes this whole circle of, like, hurt and stuff like that, where no one learns anything. Yeah, it's such a double-edged sword, because, like... For sure. Oh, there's so much helpful information, and so many people on Twitter especially, because that's mainly what I use, too, who are willing to help you and give you advice and be there. And then there's just all the drama. It seems like every week... There's some sort of drama going on. I think I see a post about not breaking your NDA every other week. And at this point, everybody now is like, oh, my God, did somebody do it again? And we're like, no, no, no. This is just a reminder because it happens so often. Mm -hmm. And then um, like I was saying, like there are some things people do offline or way back in the day that suddenly come to light. And you're just like, oh, my God, I I used to interact with this person. I used to trust this person. I guess I don't even know them. And it can be almost hurtful because you're just like, wow, I trusted this person. And then like that's they're like this. What? And then one Mm. of the biggest things I have seen is a lot of fans are really truly hardcore and a lot of them can't separate the voice actor from their character like i remember when the last of us two came out and poor poor laura everybody was like i hate you blah 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 blah. like they were they were trying to dox her and that's it's just it's scary So then it was a wake-up call to a lot of us to be like, do we continue using our real name? What do we have on our resume? Um, Like, I took my phone number off my resume, and I say I'm based in the L.A. area instead Mm. of the exact location, like the exact city that I'm in out here. And because it's it's so easily accessible, and Twitter is great because you get to – in not react, interact, there we go, with all these people, but it's sometimes hard to draw the boundary. Yeah. Yeah. The, the weird blend of um the of of what is what is real and what is uh what has to be manufactured is really difficult because the industry mm-hmm. 
by its own nature, attracts these people who are go-getters, who are often loving, who are uh, eager to uh, brand and get out there because these are things that the industry demands from you. But then in turn, when an industry demands that, it or, or attracts that, it also attracts the, uh, the, the, the predators and abusers who are in turn attracted to the people who uh, can most be abused by that. And so I think that all of these unique advantages of the new era of social media, fan interaction, of something that was just so wonderful is both of you bringing up all of these amazing names and resources that are shared because you're artists growing in a community together and these are recognizable things for you and the interconnectivity of that community is... 10 people giving you love does not hurt nearly as much as the one person who is seemingly doing a, a full hijacking of your, your entire life. And uh, hopefully everyone's around to support each other during that, but, but it's, it can still be very difficult to get through. And so I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad we're talking about some of these darker elements because it's important for people to know what to expect because you got to be ready and you got to be resilient. Um, but having covered so much good ground here, I think that it's time to kind of start um, bringing us home with some of the more fun questions. So I think that this is a, a moment to kind of get that palate cleanser. And I think I, I do want to ask, um, who are some of your favorite voice actors? Who are those people that you look up to, that, that, that you follow in the footsteps of? I know, Liz, you already have, have named a couple, but uh, uh, Kai, any for you? Uh, let's see here. Uh, start with it. Tom Kenny is definitely one of the top ones, just because uh, his SpongeBob is so good. Um, his uh, He's... One of the most positive like people ever. He just loves his job and it's super mm-hmm. fun to be around, especially like having the chance to meet him in person is just magical. Um, Kira Buckland, uh, mainly because um, I've grown up yeah. with her stuff ever since like she did internet stuff like way back in the day. Like I was a literal child when I watched her <laughs> flash animation appearances. And uh, I, I say that to so many of my friends who are working now, and it makes them feel millions of years old when yeah. I'm around them. I'm like, get away from yep. me, you child. I'm like, <laughs> like, yep, that's my superpower. I'm 24 and I can do that to you. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, like uh, her as well, just especially yeah, that she's yeah. in JoJo's now. Just like such a ridiculous inspiration. Um, another one that I would think of, jo- yeah, Johnny Yon Bosch, uh, especially yes. just because um, he, uh, ever since I heard him in like, uh, like, I first heard him in, like, the show called Three Delivery, which was on Nicktoons Network for a bit, and then I heard him in other anime shows. Like, the first, like when I heard his performance as Lelouchi, Britannia, and Code Diaz, I was just transfixed. And I just love... I love the way he performs his characters, especially. Just, like, he... And he's a master of... Yeah. He's a master of what I call the howl of pain, and I, I hope I can... Uh, the howl of despair or whatever. I hope I can scream like that gentleman someday. Like, I genuinely hope so. Uh... Plus, it was a Power Ranger. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Adam and all that. Uh, more phenomenal, as you would say. Uh, yeah. And uh, Colleen Clickingbeard, she uh, is uh, such a great actress, uh, wonderful director. And, um, like, I first heard her as Gohan and DBZ Kai and um, Riza Hawkeye and FNA. And um, Luffy is uh, a big favorite of mine just because I'm a One Piece fan. <laughs> One thing that she can do that no other actor can do in my opinion is that she's like so in tune with her emotions. Especially like just like especially like there's a moment where like Luffy has a mental breakdown and I just I it, like my heart shatters every time I hear because it it's just it's it's both terrifying and it just like wrecks my soul. I'm like, oh my God 
like that she can rip that out of her so easily that's awesome thank you for sharing man um uh elizabeth ryan any inspirations you want to shout out here yeah so jeremy lay like i mentioned earlier changed my whole entire life and is the reason i am where i am now um and then laura bailey is someone else i love i absolutely loved fruits basket growing up and she plays toru and then my absolute mm-hmm. like mind blown moment when I watched Full Metal Alchemist for the first time and heard her as Lost, I was like, "Wait, that's the same person? Excuse me." Um, who else is there? I am such a big anime nerd; I could go on forever. Crispin Freeman is another yeah. voice that I really love. J. Michael Tatum. Oh my God, do I love that man's voice? Huh. Mm-hmm. Um. And there's so many people. I have to think of a couple. I'm that nerd who, like, sits on the couch, forces my husband to watch something with me, and then I have to stop because I'm like, wait, I know that voice, and I have to figure it out. Well, well I think that what, what's being shown so clearly from, from both of you is that uh, I, I think that we are, we are in a, a place where – and this is it's not a criticism, just an observation um, – as we are in the kind of uh, – uh, an era where we've become um, a lot more sensitive yeah. to uh, social issues post Me Too, post kind of like grappling some of the uh, larger uh, uh, social constructs and, and power structures we're dealing with in society. There is a element of that that I think has made people more cautious about uh, uh, approaching other people, starting conversations, having intimacy of, of, of many different different kinds. And I think that this, the names that are being brought up now just go to show that there really is a, a good side to all of this. You know, just because you're forming a, a relationship, even if it's a, a parasocial relationship with a hero of yours, getting inspiration from that, by and large, that that is not a, a, a crime on anyone's part. That's a natural part of finding these heroes and, and people who are inspirations to you and then in turn people that you inspire. As I know a lot of our, our younger listeners, a lot of our uh, Gen Z TikTok otaku degenerates who are listening to this will will be immensely inspired by hearing about your story as y'all are further down the path than they are at this moment. And I think that that's just the, the big tapestry of, of art that is, is so enthralling to us. The fact that we can create this community express ourselves in ways that make us excited and, and and the fact that all of us are smiling as we're mentioning these voice actors and 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 Tom Kenny and Laura Bailey from the big names to the new up-and-comers that this is just exciting you know the joy of art is something that I think should always be front and center there um, were, were there any other names that came to you Liz that you wanted to throw out there before we uh no I was just thinking it's like I've taken I've signed up for classes based upon who is teaching them and then it's really hard to not just fan out. Like, oh, Cassandra Lee Morris. I took one class with her. And um, mm-hmm. I had to turn my camera off a couple of times because I was just like, oh, my God. I'm, like, literally talking to this woman whose voice I hear every day. Yeah. Rounding out here today. Because I think we, we had some questions on the list about, like, dream roles. But I think that's kind of been covered. And a lot of these have kind of beautifully been natural really covered during conversation so thank you everybody for being so generous with your time and wisdom here i I think a nice place to kind of wrap up is say that we're talking to ourselves or someone in the situation that we were in our early careers where it's a person who is grappling where all of their insecurities and doubts surrounding do i want to become a voice actor or not about do i really want to do it but about like oh, well, what if I have to deal with this or I'm not good enough or, you know, I'll never be able to do this. What words would you share with that younger version of of yourself to get them going? How would you kind of enrich them and push them forward? 
uh, <clears throat> this might be a little personal, but, um, uh, so I would, I would just say, like, uh, just, like, listen, like, you're dedicated to your craft, just stick with that. Hit it. Um, your mom is gonna try and micromanage stuff and make you feel like shit just because you don't include her in the information and do stuff like that. And sometimes she may even, she may even mm. just, like, make you feel like you're the bad guy. Don't, don't let that happen. And, um, if you need to, and if, and there, and there be, there will be people, there, you will get those opportunities. You will keep it, just keep perfecting your, just get, just continue to get better. Keep learning as much as you can, do as much as you can, learn as much as you can, put everything you do with like person, passion, personality, effort, and all that stuff. It's like, yeah, like, you're like, it's like, yes, you're autistic, you have Asperger's, but that's not a limit. And don't let it be that way. So that's, that's what I would say. Thank you so much, Guy, for that honesty and that vulnerability, man. I, I so appreciate that. Uh, Liz, anything you want to say to, to young Ryan? <laughs> um, it's okay. You can, you can take your time. You'll get there. Don't let the other people get into your head. You can do it. It's going to take a little bit of hard work. Mm. You're going to have to work on some of you, you know, your bad habits and stuff like that, but... If it's something you truly enjoy and it's something that brings you happiness, keep pursuing it. You'll get there. Absolutely. Thank you both so much for uh, your time and generosity today. Uh, just in, in you speaking there, I am having so many flashbacks of my younger self before entering college filled with such complete doubts. And yet I'm reminded of the fact that here we all are on a Sunday afternoon talking about art and dreams and fucking animation and fulfilling <laughs> those dreams and the fact that we're yeah. all actually doing it. You know, it's no longer a dream. We're doing it. And that makes me feel fucking amazing, man. So thank you both so much for coming on. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to cover or are we ready to get into some plugs today? Just to piggyback off that last thing. Um, if you um are dealing, if you anyone, I, if any of you out there are dealing with like a toxic yeah. family member or anything like that, uh, just um you don't have to be in a rush or anything to move out or anything, but like just reach out to friends if you can and definitely make a plan to get out of that situation. Don't put up with that shit. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Thank you so much for that. That is so so important there. But um, that said, I think that we have reached a beautiful honest, natural conclusion to our voice actor roundtable today. So everybody uh, listening, thank you so much for uh, uh, listening. Definitely appreciate the questions that uh, were, were sent to us through direct message that we wanted to uh, make sure were asked today. But that said, uh, we have some two goddamn talented, uh, gorgeous, amazing, sparkling, shiny, up-and-coming superstars <laughs> here on the podcast, and I want to make sure that people know where to find you. So, uh, Kai, if you could hit us with your plugs first, then we'll go to Liz. Where could people find you? What you got going on? So, uh, in the social world of the medias, I uh, you can find me at Kirikai Dubs on both Twitter and Instagram. They're both public. Uh, I do have a Facebook, but that's only meant for people who know me personally. I'm not going to accept your friend request unless I trust you. So, uh, unless I've met you more than once or anything like that, or unless you have mutual friends who trust you, please don't. <laughs> um, I also have a YouTube channel called uh, Nerdy Kirikai, where I do video essay topics about uh, voice actors and um, certain shows and stuff like that that I'm passionate about. Uh, one of my most popular videos being, um, uh, I did a video on BoJack Horseman 
uh, and why I love that show so much. <laughs> I also have um, videos on English dubs of anime and why they should be appreciated. And also, uh, and I also have a video essay series called Voice Actors We Salute You, where I talk about a voice actor's career. The, vo- the episodes I have so far, I have one on Lauren Landa, I have one on uh, Tom Kenny, I have one on Ben Diskin, and I have one on Keith Silverstein, which unfortunately, YouTube kind of did the whole copyright bully bullshit thing where they uh, where they messed up one of the, the segments of it, so that so that video is kind of messed up. So unless oh. I have some other thing, well, it's still up there. It's still up there and able to watch, but uh, certain trivia bits are no longer there. Like there was a Devilman clip I can't use anymore, which is unfortunate. But whatever. So, but yeah, that's what I got. Hell yeah, hell yeah! Thank you so much, everyone. Please check out Kai Liz. What you got going on? Where can we find you? So on socials, you can find me at Bazile two one three. That is B A Z I L E two one three. However you want to say it, Basil Bazil. I've heard it every way. Um, I also have a Facebook, but just like Kai, that is more for people I personally know. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, Grandma, if you're listening, you can you can shoot that right? request out. But everyone else, you know, boundaries yeah, are there's, important. <laughs> there's a fan page that has slowly been collecting dust on Facebook. Maybe I'll get there eventually. Um, but that includes on Discord, on Casting Call Club. Love to always follow new people and listen to what they are doing. And then I have my website. ElizabethRyanVO.com, where you can listen to all of the goodies and download them all in one place. And yeah, that's about it. Fantastic, fantastic. So uh, thank you both so much for coming on today. It has been so wonderful. I mean, just the topics we covered, like, such a dream. I hope everybody had a good time here today, but... um, This was absolutely awesome having you on. Uh, That said, as we round up the show today, everybody, thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or review us on your favorite podcasting app. Hit all of those buttons that you surely must know what to hit by now on YouTube.com. Always appreciated. And the best way that you can help out Brotakus is to share us with a friend if you find what we're doing valuable. So with that said, thank you all so much for listening. Appreciate the support. Thank you again to Liz and Kai for coming on today. I'm Pax, and this is Brotakus. We'll see y'all next week. Bye, y'all.